Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock, as always, alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock, Matt at Williamson NFL. We're talking Los Angeles Rams today. Joining us now is Brad Bearmotter. He is the host of Locked On Rams. You can find him on Twitter at LA underscore Ramblin. There, Brad, thank you so much for joining the show. Excited to talk Rams today. Really excited. Thank you for having me on. Uh, football is, we're now under 100 days, so it's getting closer to some real action, hopefully, uh, but excited to be talking some Rams today. Woo, under 100 days. Man, the countdown is on when we uh, when we can get this thing going. And yeah, it's interesting, the league talking about maybe trying to get some kind of a quick mini camp in even before training camp. I think some of the the West Coast teams, I know for the 49ers, Santa Clara County has been a little slow to reopen things compared to some places in the country. What's it looking like in L.A.? And what about that stadium? They've had to halt construction there, too. Is that even going to be ready? Yeah, that that's that's an interesting question. And I think they might even be watching this a little closelier and, and being like, you know, if there's no fans, we're not too worried about it because you're looking at that thing and there's still a lot of work to be done, especially on the outside of it. Um, it's going to be awesome when it's done, but we'll see. I know that uh, starting, I believe, Monday, the Rams and coaches, their coaches and uh, some of that staff are allowed back in the building if they'd like to. I don't know if they're going to because the kind of the word is that they're actually – doing okay in this virtual format so far that everyone's had a good way to connect. And so maybe they don't look to change things up right now, especially in this, uh, you know, quote unquote dead period right now in the NFL before you get to even be able to get on the field. So maybe they just stick with what they're doing, but things are going to start to loosen up. And and as you see around the NFL, maybe it starts to have a little, uh, those jealous eyes where you say, well, they're getting together. Maybe I should too. But as of right now, I think they're going to stick with what they're doing and maybe some coaches come in the building from time to time. But uh, off to a pretty good start. I'm really confident with where they are at in this program virtually um, and as far as they've been prepared. Brad, I think it's a really interesting team, big picture, because I feel like everyone is looking at the NFC West saying, boy, it's a great division. Arizona's the, you know, maybe a worst to first. They're the the dark horse. Seattle's great. San Francisco is in the playoffs. They're really strong. And I feel like the Rams in June here are really being overlooked. And I just want to throw a couple things out to our listeners. First of all, if the playoff format was as it's going to be going forward, the Rams would have been that seventh team. And who knows? They might get in the, the postseason, knock somebody off, and the narrative's totally different. The Rams also faced one of the hardest schedules in the league last year, one of the hardest slate of defenses in the league, one of the hardest slate of offenses in the league, and still averaged 0.6 more yards on offense than they allowed on defense and narrowly missed the playoffs. I mean, I look at this team and think they might be somewhat of a sleeping giant. Yeah, Matt, that's why I love having you on the show, because uh, that's exactly what I've been trying to portray as we've been in this offseason and trying to think of how to try to get from the Super Bowl a couple of years ago to missing the playoffs to, yeah. you know, in this division, trying to say you still have some right to claim to fight near those top positions. Because even if you look back to last year, 
um, you know, a few games go a little differently in those last five games. And the Rams are right up there fighting for the division. So uh, this right. thing was close all the way up to the end. And I think that with the core pieces that they have, and we know what they gave up to get a lot of these core pieces and the big money that they've signed. And then now in the offseason, the big money that they're going to now take a hit for. Um, and they're sticking to that program, but they've got some really good talent and they've got a ton of young guys. Uh, there's a lot of question marks places, but they also have a lot of guys to kind of go through if one, two doesn't work out. There's three, four behind, and that includes, you know, offensive line and linebackers. So I am excited for this group because the core and the leadership still there. Get a little bit better play, you know, taking care of the football from Jared Goff. Uh, this offense could find its way back pretty quick. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room, which is the Jalen Ramsey contract. He has said that he will not hold out, which I think is key. But what's what's the idea long term? How much is it going to cost to keep Jalen Ramsey? And has with with some of the medicine the Rams have taken in 2020 helped them for 2021 to be able to sort of reset and do the things they need to do going forward? Yeah, that's it's an interesting one. And and of course, Jalen has said, you know, he's not going to hold out, which is great because he knows, well, the Rams are broke right now. They have about $6 million. It doesn't even matter. I mean, I think the only way that they get this deal done, whether it is this year before the season or even next year, uh, is we got to restructure Aaron Donald's contract. We got to find a way to get some of that money and clean that up. Maybe that's, you know, turn that into a bonus for him and then take that money to help sign. But Jalen Ramsey's looking I mean, you remember him bringing the Brinks truck to training camp a couple of years ago. He's not looking for like, just let me get in the market and be comfortable. He's looking to reset the market. We're talking 19, 20 million dollars. And I think that idea of getting over 20 is going to live in his head for a whole season, especially if he has a good year this year um, under new defense coordinator, Brandon Staley. So um, I expect him to get paid. And I think the Rams, especially giving up two first rounders, they had this envision for a long time that he was going to be a part of this plan. And I think that's one of the reasons they got out of Todd Gurley. They let go of Brandon Cooks. They're trying to clean the slate a little bit and start to kind of switch uh, the meter on who they're going to be focusing on next. And I think it is Jalen Ramsey. And it's scary for Rams fans because we've seen those big contracts come back and kind of haunt us, and then obviously here with some of those releases. But uh, I think you put in uh, so much investment in him early. He is an amazing cornerback. He wants to be here. That's another exciting thing is when you heard him in Jacksonville, he seemed to always be flustered and and not really loving his situation. He's been nothing but praising L.A. Yes, it's early, um, but I think it's the excitement of him wanting to be here in the market. He understands the other dollars around it. They can get that done. I think it's going to be something they definitely get done. It's like, is it now or is it next offseason? I think with this pandemic that we have going on, it may be smarter for the Rams just to kind of see how this goes uh, and put that off till next year. Again, really, really tight on money. Uh, so you're going to have to find a way. But it's really going to start with some of these guys coming down off some contracts, including Aaron Donald, uh, I, which is hard because he's probably the last person on our team we should go back to and say, Hey, you want to restructure this a little bit, but uh, he's a team guy. Hopefully he understands to make a way to keep this defense elite that he's got to have those type of things to be done. Along those lines, there isn't a team in the league structured like the Rams. And this is my own theory, but I think a lot of it's because you got to be in LA. You got to sell jerseys. You need star power. You need to be the Showtime Lakers, you know, that type of deal. But they're going to go five years in a row without a first round pick. They have, very top heavy talent like Donald, like Ramsey, like you mentioned, they, you know, they go out and acquire veterans, but I think what people don't understand, and I just did the math real quick here too, is 
they bring in an inordinate number of draft picks. I mean, they've had 11 yeah. draft picks over or, or 99 draft picks over the last 11 drafts. Obviously, that's nine per. And the last couple of years, they brought in nine, eight, 11. So it's studs and duds, but it's a lot of duds. Yeah, and that's the that's the exciting thing is even looking at this year's draft class, we don't know how they're going to really pan out, but their first four picks in this draft. 33% on those guys, you're great. Exactly, and you've got yeah. two guys in the second and two guys in the third that can come in and find a role immediately, and then you look back on a few of the most recent ones. John Johnson, uh, one of those picks in the third round, uh, t- um, and then obviously on the offense side of the ball, you got Cooper Cup was one of those draft picks. So they've hit. You're right. It, it's if you just hit on some of those, as long as you're stacking up picks, and that's something the Rams have really valued is not that first round pick. But hey, give me a couple in the second, couple in the third, and we feel that we're going to find a guy. And now we've got four guys coming into this in that slot that we're talking about. Uh, that, like I said, have a, a really good sight on some playing time, and hopefully, if they can perform, you start to look at maybe this is something that. Uh, you know, maybe not be knocked nationally, but it is tough because you have to give up those first rounders that everyone loves. I mean, that draft day as we were doing this mock draft across the lockdown platform, I felt a little <laughs> left out because I didn't have first round pick, you know, I mean, it, it is <laughs> tough during that time. But when you get to that second, third round and see some of that value that they can still get, uh, you start to kind of relax a little bit and understand their process. Will it work out? You know, only time will tell, but I like the lot that they brought in this year as well. You'll be left out next year too, but exactly you know, the, the point. <laughs> the point is, though, if you bring in nine guys between rounds two and seven, nobody's a perfect drafter. I mean, if you hit an okay, you know, percentage of them, you're not going to be in that bad of shape. You know, just bring in quantity as opposed to quality. They've had a plan and they've stuck to it, and they've added a lot of talent to their roster. And the key is, does do some of those players all of a sudden start performing like first-round draft picks? And that's where the Rams will be in, in very good shape and, and still rebuilding the depth on that team to support those stars that they're, they're signing long-term. I have a question about the draft specifically. We'll get to some of those picks coming up, what the offensive skill positions will look like now in Los Angeles, and of course, the defensive side of the ball, which also has seen some changes. Coming up with Brad Motter of Locked On Rams. This episode of Lockdown 49ers is brought to you in part by rockauto.com. One reason to repair or maintain your car is it saves money. Do you even know what kind of motor oil is in your car? Honestly, I had to look it up because I wanted to order some things from rockauto.com. I needed some jumper cables, like standard things. I thought I had jumper cables. I didn't. I needed some oil for my car. I didn't even know what kind of oil was in my newest car. You can save yourself a lot of money by doing things yourself rockauto.com can help and then spend that extra money on some more important things in your life, right? Like food or your rent or your mortgage payment or for a lot of people in quarantine, alcohol. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even twice as much for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? Just go to rockauto.com, a family owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years They have everything you need from engine control modules, if you happen to know what that is, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new interior carpet for your vehicle. Whether it's for your classic or a daily driver, they have an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all parts for your car you will ever need. 
Go to rockauto.com right now, right in Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us section so they know we sent you rockauto.com. I think a lot of people's eyebrows were raised when the Rams drafted Cam Akers in round two and used their first selection in this draft on a running back and not an offensive lineman. What were your initial thoughts on the Rams taking running back Cam Akers out of Florida State? Yeah, it was interesting because I think initially there was this big, like, we need offensive help. We need offensive line help. Um, but as you look at it, again, there's some solid pieces. And and if you even look in a little bit closer, Rob Havenstein kind of finished injured, had one of his worst careers. You expect him and you hope him uh, to bounce back a little bit to the form that we saw in the two previous years. Uh, Andrew Whitworth started slow, finished strong. Uh, you go make the trade for Austin Corbett. You got David Edwards and Bobby Evans. So you start to feel like, okay, maybe the big picture nationally and outside the building isn't so high on that offensive line. But if we can put them together and stay healthy, that was a big thing for them early, especially. Uh, maybe you can take that pick and go somewhere else. You got Todd Gurley that's left. Daryl Henderson never really got off and running last year. And Malcolm Brown, uh, as much as I believe he could be a kind of the the number one back. I think the Rams also still like him in his role and not wanting to expand it too much to see if that is going to go downhill if they would do that. So Cam Akers was there. And then hearing the discussions of the Rams as they kind of uh, released some of these tapes that they were talking leading up to the draft, they absolutely loved him. And and as you start to watch his his film, you understand why. I mean, the elusiveness, the uh, power, speed, balance, all those things. And he's coming from a pretty poor offensive line. So uh, maybe there's a nice marriage there. So, you know, he's understanding how to still, you know, get his uh, when there's not a lot of people helping him out. So I think that's the nice thing that, you know, everyone's really excited about is getting him into this into this program. And right away, I think he becomes the running back number one. I think Daryl Henderson is kind of your uh, home run hitter slash, you know, throw it to him out of the back, maybe give him 10 carries a game and see what he can do. And then Malcolm Brown's your goal line guy, your short yardage and, you know, in pass protection where you really need him in there, he's probably your best option, but really excited. And I wasn't, to be honest, when they first picked him, I did one of those forehead slaps and was like, man, a running back, as many times as I've mocked a running back there, I almost wasn't ready to see it in reality. And then, it, and then for Cam Akers to be the guy when I thought maybe there were a couple other guys there, but the more you dig into it, the more you get really excited about him coming in and then seeing how much the Rams love him. You start to think, well, they start running the ball a little bit more because that was the issue last year. They really got pass heavy. They really were trying to play to Todd Gurley's knee and not overdo it. Now there's no restrictions and we can get back to that run game that helps that balance attack with Jared Goff and that play action. So really excited about Cam Akers uh, on paper. Does it translate? We'll find out really soon. Brad, real quick, I want to expand on that because I think everyone looked at the Rams and said, this O-line's horrible. You know, Gurley's not, has nowhere to go. And I contend that the, the truth is after trading for Corbett, that last month of the season or so, the line started to gel. I thought it improved dramatically. I'm also a fan of Noteboom. That's a guy you haven't mentioned too that hasn't got really – you know, the opportunity to get in there. So I'm not saying the line is good, but I don't think it's awful. And I think getting Whitworth back goes a very, very long way. And to take it a step further, I thought Henderson didn't know what he was doing in the zone scheme for one. And I don't think Gurley was close to the player that we assume he is. I think he was very injured, very little burst. And to take it a step further, you're going to like this. I've put one bet down for Offensive Rookie of the Year, and it's on Cam Akers. It's a pretty nice, nice. odds. I think he's going to blow up. 
I do like that a lot. And you're right. There is some depth there that we didn't get to talk about. Joseph Noteboom uh, never really got that shot yet. And Austin Corbett coming in late. How will he adjust over a year? I always go back to this. Dante Fowler coming over mid-year. Had a pretty solid year in that first 10 games he was with the Rams. And then last year he blows up to 11 and a half sacks. Really finds his way with a full offseason. And that's kind of the hopes for a guy like Austin Corbett and where he can possibly fit in. But I think there's a battle there. And I think at almost every position minus Andrew Whitworth and potentially center with Austin Blythe, I think are locked in. I think every other position on that line, there's a battle. And I love competition at these uh, spots because you know you're going to get the best of all these guys when they're coming in. My point, though, too, and you're 100% right, I think the running back was more at fault than people want to realize. Yes, yeah. I, I And you know what? It's funny because I was such a girly supporter, and I still am. I hope he does really well down in Atlanta. Um, but you started to see that as well. That uh, And that goes to Jared Goff, too. I mean, they gave up, that offensive line gave up the least amount of sacks in the NFL, but it doesn't translate because Jared Goff was in so much pressure that there were so many throwaways, there were so many turnovers off that. So maybe he didn't get sacked, but there was a lot of pressure that threw off plays or timing of, you know, that outside zone run. So, uh, you know, some more solid play. And you mentioned it, closing the season, they really played well. A lot of that was also a switch to 12 personnel and starting mixing up the offense a little bit. So that is going to be the interesting thing with the Rams bringing in an offensive coordinator, Sean McVay having some pieces behind them that are, you know, quote unquote healthy, how will they start to move this offense? And, you know, what is the focus of it and how much responsibility is put on this offense line and these new running backs coming in. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm excited about this team. The, the ceiling I think is a lot higher than people think. Uh, but then again, you do look at that NFC West and it's not going to come easy. I hate to jump in and take another question from you, but you mentioned the 12 personnel, I love the Everett pick. I've always been waiting for him to break out. I still think that's in the realm of possibility. I think Higby's a way better athlete than people realize. Two small school guys, tight ends take a while to gel. And my point, again, I feel like I'm just pumping the Rams' tires left and right. I'm going to take Higby as the fourth tight end in fantasy. I think what he did to end the season is really who he is, which is frightening. Yeah, you're talking about a five-game stretch where he caught 43 balls for 522 yards. That hasn't happened since 1970. I mean, it was it a fluke? Did he catch fire? You know, looking at that last five games. He won't do games, that same pace, of course. Right, but, right. Yeah. Three of the last five teams that they played were at the bottom of the league versus tight ends. But I really like how they finished hot that way. So the confidence this whole offseason is I'm taking a step in my development. Jared Goff, trust me. Um, all those type of things. And even Sean McVay, I can use the tight end a little bit more. We've been begging him uh, since his first pick of his for, of his career out here was Gerald Everett. We're thinking, all right, he's going to bring over this Washington uh, Redskins tight ends and, yeah, yeah, everything that he's done. And uh, it hadn't really gotten there yet, especially with Brandon Cook's gone and we mentioned, obviously, Todd Gurley. They're going to have to start to look to other pieces on the offense to kind of you know rely on, uh, especially when we get down to the red zone. So I'm really excited about Tyler Higby. Uh, as well as you mentioned, Gerald Everett. And I'm, I'm really curious about the Bryson Hopkins pick. You know, they went and got a tight end. Uh, and I think, you know, even listening to Bruce Arians down in Tampa Bay, he talked about running a little 13 personnel with three tight ends. And, you know, Sean McVay, this is a copycat type of league. Will he try to get all three of those guys in at some point, or are they going to rotate them? I'm curious how just the tight end situation is going to look from one, two, and then, you know, where's three involved and how is it a developmental role and, and what that's going to be like. But really, again, another solid position for the Rams. 
And Matt, it's okay you took that extra question because I was going to ask the exact same question. So I think we're on the same page. Sure you are. Uh, I want to stay on uh, the passing game here for the Rams. Obviously, you mentioned trading away Brandon Cooks. Top three guys left at wide receiver, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Josh Reynolds. And then they dipped back into offensive side of the ball with the wide receiver out of Florida, Van Jefferson, in the second round. To me, Jefferson's a little bit overdrafted. I didn't expect him to go quite that high. And I know he had a nice senior bowl, and he's been running pro routes, and he's comes from an NFL family, and uh, he's been running pro routes since he was a teenager back at Ole Miss before he transferred to Florida. And, and man, that wide receiver group they had, Back at Ole Miss was crazy, too, when you add Van Jefferson to, right. to what they had in some uh, super stud wide receivers that we saw as rookies last year in DK Metcalf and A.J. Brown. But Van Jefferson, round two, a little early for my blood, but then I thought about it. I was like, okay, they want someone. It sounds like to me they want someone who can step on the field early and play early in their career. So I think as far as rookie wide receivers go, it wouldn't shock me at all if Van Jefferson sees uh, almost as much playing time as any of them. Exactly. And I think the thing with Van Jefferson, again, my initial reaction to the first two picks were not that excited. And then as I start to realize it and look at it and then hear the excitement of the Rams as well as I think they understood that there were a few teams right behind them that were drooling at the opportunity of having Van Jefferson. So if you don't take them there, you're not getting them. And I think that's how much they loved them. And you talk about the um, the flexibility and what he brings. I mean, he basically is what, you know, the Rams scouting staff said is that they look at him and it's like Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both looking into a mirror and they see Van Jefferson, that mm-hmm. he's got the speed, that he's got the route running, uh, that he can come in and play right away, that he has those IQ uh, to step and transition over right away. Uh, so I'm excited about He didn't put up massive numbers at Florida, but if you also look at the Florida passing game, uh, they had a ton of different guys Uh, that they were throwing to, and everyone had really good seasons out there. So Van Jefferson was kind of in a crowded system over at Florida. So I'm excited to see what he can do, kind of joining this, you know, two other wide receivers and being able to fill in. It allows Cooper Cup to potentially stay in the slot where he just dominated last year, had 69 uh, catches, which was first in the NFL. Uh, And then as far as yardage, he was first in the NFL and actually ranked top uh, four in the last or, or number one in the top last four years uh, in the slot. So I, I really like the flexibility, bringing him in, having him have some speed as the outside. He can also play slot if you want. Uh, but I'm really excited about Van Jefferson and the ability to just step on basically day one and compete. I think Josh Reynolds, again, as we talk about, com- you know, building competition at a position, uh, this is a lot for Josh Reynolds because he's gotten some opportunity, but with Cooks gone, if they didn't draft anybody, he was the guy to really fill that role in. Uh, So, again, there's some good competition there. But Van, got to be really excited about him, especially as you hear, um, you know, these draft scouts talk about him. He was the fastest guy at the Senior Bowl. So the speed is real. I don't care what you run on the 40 time. Put some shoulder pads on and a helmet. Go against some defense. And if you're the fastest guy in the field, that tells me a little bit something. That was Van Jefferson. I haven't talked much about Jared Goff, his development with Sean McVay. And, of course, we've got to talk about the defensive side of the ball in L.A. and their new defensive coordinator next. Have you heard about Built Bar yet? You should have if you listen to this podcast. Built Bar is a tasty treat. It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There is 16 fantastic flavors. There's flavors with nuts, flavors without nuts. If you have a nut-free diet, all covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bar is great for everyone, but especially for those health-conscious folks out there, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low in calories, low in sugar, but high in protein and 
high in fiber. I always talk about my favorite flavor, which is the peanut butter flavor. 20 grams of protein in that one, only 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar. Some flavors like mint brownie, only 110 calories, 15 grams of protein. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code locked on. You'll get $10 off your first order there. Again, promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. I feel like the Rams now will always pretty much have five high quality skill position players and probably with one or two of them on the bench. I mean, they got six or seven now. And I think that's what McVay wants more than Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, you know, like a a total target monster in that I can scheme things up. A lot of these guys can align in the slot, whether they're tight ends or receivers, they can detach, they can move all over the formation and Jared Goff's just going to John Stockton point guard it. Yeah. And that's really the goal, right? We don't need, uh, and there, that's the knock. And that's been something I've even said is I don't look at Jared Goff as these, this big time playmaker, like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson, the guy that if everything's not going your way, he's not going to make it happen by himself, but he's a facilitator. So if you surround him with these pieces, give him a little bit of protection. He's got some decent accuracy. You know, he's got a deep ball. Uh, he's got a cannon on him. So it's just kind of protecting the ball, being smart and being that facilitator and allowing the guys around you uh, to help you out. And I think that's a lot of, of what it is and why Cooper Cup's been so amazing because, hey, that man is a route runner. He gets open. Jared Goff just feeds him and he does the rest after the catch. So uh, that's, again, going back to the Van Jefferson, you hope with the route running and the speed that he can just get open, allow Jared Goff to get in the ball. But it does, as you talked about, many skilled players, a lot of awesome talent, some high upside. Can Jared Goff be that point guard, take care of the football, make smart decisions, throw it away when need be, get a little protection from that line? So it does. A lot of it comes down to Jared Goff getting that $35 million. You talk about those high-end contracts. He's the guy. They build everything else around him. Uh, it's a big prove-it year for Jared Goff this year. He dipped last year, and everyone let him have it, especially here in Rams Nation. It's, you know, it was it the right move or was it not? Uh, this is a big year for him in 2020. Yeah, pivotal year for the Rams all around, and they've retooled a little bit, defensive side of the ball included. I want to talk about that, and I was a little bit surprised that they fired Wade Phillips, and or you know, I don't know if you want to call it a, a firing, replacing Wade Phillips with Brandon Staley. Tell us a little bit about Brandon Staley and how that might change the look of the Rams' defense going forward. Oh, man, talking to some people lately and then listening to what the Rams have been saying, uh, really excited about Brandon Staley. Uh, the players that have been working with him have really kind of expressed as um, he's basically a defensive Sean McVay, that the energy that he brings, that people – I think it was Troy Hill that said that he walked out of a meeting the other day and he was just so jacked up on energy that he was getting from his head coach. And that that's just not something that Wade was, right? He was a good uh, players coach and he was really relaxed and he was funny, but he just didn't have that McVay hype up the tempo uh, type of style when you're coaching. Uh, and then the other thing is the flexibility that it brings to the defense. Obviously, we know the way that Wade put his defense out there. I'm really looking to see what Brandon Staley is going to do Uh, Even with a guy like Jalen Ramsey, he described him the other day as a DB, not a corner, that he's really excited about how smart he is as a player to see where he can put him on the field in certain situations, uh, whether that's coming inside or, you know, wherever he may put him in in a nickel defense. And I think that's what's so exciting about this secondary is the flexibility is you're adding guys like Terrell Burgess and Taylor Rapp in last year's draft and Troy Hill's gotten a lot better and Darius Williams came on so strong at the end and was one of the best 
uh, corners in football from weeks 12 to 17. So, uh, and then John Johnson's returning. So I, I'm absolutely in love with our secondary with Brandon Staley coming in, the energy and how he's going to evaluate each game and, and build a plan from a game to game basis, which I think Wade was knocked on a little bit. Uh, for just kind of sticking with what he does, putting his players in a good position. But uh, he's going to take that same approach that Sean McVay has. And that those are going to be some fun practices to hear about or watch because uh, those two guys are going to try to really pick each other apart. And I think that's, you know, the old saying, iron sharpens iron. I think that's what you can really hope for out of those practices versus those two guys. Aaron Donald obviously raises all ships. And frankly, I think he's the best player in the league. But the edge guys worry me. I mean, bring me back to earth here a little bit. I mean, Terrell <laughs> yeah. Lewis, I, Lloyd. I mean, they're both kind of long, finesse-type guys. Um, is there somebody I'm missing? I, I don't like the guys off the edge all that much, or at least I'm worried about them. Yeah, I think this is one of those areas where you say you don't have that big name, but you have some depth and you have some potential, right? I think Floyd, again, I'm going back to this Dante Fowler thing, didn't find a good fit where he first started kind of sent away as a disappointment, comes into a system and flourishes. Yes, that was completely different players, completely different systems. He has uh-huh. some relationship with Brandon Staley, who has some really high expectations of him, saying that not only can he get out and get the passer, but he loves the way he is against the run. He loves how he can drop back in coverage. The versatility of Floyd, I think, is really going to show in this next coming season. Terrell Lewis, we don't know, right? The he has the same wingspan of LeBron James. The man is an athletic freak, and we're really Bondor. excited about – Yeah, we're really excited about the flexibility and the speed that he has. There is some injury concern. But if you look deep in here, uh, behind some of these guys, you got Natris Patrick, who uh, showed some flashes near the end of the year, Justin Lawler, uh, Ja'Kai Polite. This is a guy I'm really interested in to see kind of the development of him. Remember, he was a third-round draft pick by the Jets, released almost immediately – uh, within the first, I think, six weeks of the season, the Rams picked him up and put him on the practice squad. What has he been like over this past year growing on this practice squad, being around some of these guys on the defense? Will he get a crack to kind of come in and, and show some opportunity? And then Obo Okoronkwo, a guy that was uh, really banged up uh, entering his career. What is he going to be like either coming off the edge or wherever they end up putting him at, at the linebacker position? Uh, but again, one of those guys that flashed near the end, and if you go back to some of his Oklahoma tape, you get really excited watching a guy like that if he can be healthy and find a role to kind of go at it. So again, the, the competition is what really excites me about the edge. Yes, maybe there's not a guy that you're going to go, I'm getting that jersey tomorrow because he's going to be a mm-hmm. stud. Uh, but there is some value as you look down the bench as far as if you want to rotate him or if you find a hot guy you know, four weeks into the season that really wasn't the guy at the beginning uh, and you can run with him. So there is a big question mark there, but I think there is a lot of talent as well. I had forgotten. Ra- oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to bring up Ja'Kai Polite. I'd forgotten that he ended up with the Rams last year, and that was such an odd pre-draft because the people were talking about Polite, and he flashed off the edge at Florida as a potential first-round draft pick, and somehow between the end of the season and the combine, it looked like he had gotten pregnant. He was so out of shape and worked <laughs> out poorly. Cut almost immediately from the Jets after getting drafted in the third round. Some people thought he might go undrafted because they they were worried about him off the field. And uh, just a just a crazy route he's taken to potentially. I mean, if his head's on straight, he can get after the quarterback, and he's got speed off the edge. I liked Oboe coming out of college as well, out of Oklahoma. So if he's healthy, you know, Ibukam, Terrell Lewis, Leonard Floyd, 
you just need one of those guys to really show up and put up some big numbers for the Rams. So that's an interesting group and probably, I imagine, going to be one of the most fun groups of competition to watch during training camp for the Rams. I just realized that edge group is a lot of good college players. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. that's what makes it that's what makes it tough for me is I see this, you know, okay, we've got guys that have done it in their career. I mean, Ja'Kai Polite, you talked about his senior year, 11 sacks. Yeah, right. He led the NCAA with six forced fumbles. But you're right. Then he comes in out of shape, some off the field problems. What has he been like? That's the big question. A lot of talent here, but it is that transition from college to NFL that we are trying to see. And Oboe, unfortunately, was unfortunately with a lot of his injuries, finally saw some help last year. So, yeah, there's some opportunity. Brad, my last question for you about the defense, or really in general, is obviously Donald's the best defensive player. Jalen Ramsey's the second best, and they're awesome. Who's the third best defensive player on this team? Oh man, I think I, I almost have to go back to the secondary. I, it, it'd be a, it, a toss up between Michael Brockers uh, okay. and and potentially John Johnson if he returns to form. Because I was absolutely in love with the way John Johnson was playing uh, before he got injured. Um, but Michael Brockers is the is this vocal leader, and that was the biggest thing when he left to go to the Ravens for like twelve days. Um, I was really crushed because although I I wasn't sure about the money that we we're gonna have to pay him. Uh, he was just such a vocal leader, and I just don't think that's Aaron Donald's comfortable role. I think he just likes being this dominant player, and I think he's going to help you in the weight room and and try to push you that way. But he's not that vocal leader that I think Michael Brockers is. And this team that was up and down against the run defensively, a piece like Michael Brockers is really important. We bring in Ashawn Robinson to kind of go with him there. Um, but I would I would probably say Michael Brockers as far as that leadership role. But player I'm excited about on the defense outside of Jalen Ramsey also is John Johnson in his return. Does he come back to form? Can he keep going towards that uh, elite status potentially in which I see that he can get there if he keeps going uh, the way that he was early in his career? And then obviously second year player Taylor Rapp. Does he stay uh, or go better? You know, you always hear that sophomore slump last year. He's really good finishing the season. Uh, those would be three guys that I really like. But probably if I had to write it down and submit it, Michael Brockers is the guy for leadership purposes. Johnson's that perfect guy like we talked about to start the show. Third round pick. You, know, you pick a lot of guys in that neighborhood of the draft, and he turns into a longtime starter. You know I mean? Like he's the, the, the poster boy. Exactly. And he's coming up on some money, too. I mean, you got Cooper Cup, Jalen Ramsey and John Johnson all looking to get paid here soon. So that goes back to the uh, what do we do and who do we take and how do we do it? And especially when you look at how much money you spent elsewhere. But, uh, yeah, it's one of those things where it's he's on a contract year, which scares me, <laughs> but also excites sure. me. Brad Motter, host of Locked on Rams. You can find him on Twitter at L.A. underscore rambling bear. Tell a friend. That their team is covered right here on the network. If they're a Rams fan, they could be listening to Brad talk about those Los Angeles Rams daily. We'll see if they're able to uh, play on time at SoFi Stadium. And it's a team that, uh, I don't know, it's, it's a pivotal year in 2020 for the Rams. So a fascinating team to watch this season. And Brad, thank you so much for coming on the show to break down those Los Angeles Rams. Anytime. I appreciate it and uh, had a good time chatting with you and you guys are welcome anytime. And I look forward to our uh, divisional crossover coming up here as we get to kind of break down the (laughs) NFC West. It's going to be a fun conversation uh, that we had, you know, right before the draft now here again. Uh, So appreciate you guys having me on. And and yes, five days a week over at Lockdown Rams. You guys can find me there. And hopefully the Rams trade into the first round so you can be a part of our mock draft (laughs) extravaganza next year.
Thanks again to Brad Motter. Thanks, everybody, for listening. A very special episode on our feed tomorrow, a roundtable discussion featuring Ross Jackson, host of Locked On Saints, Tody Wiggins, who hosts Locked On Jaguars, Steelers host Chris Carter, Keith Pompey, host of Locked On Sixers, Cody Davis and John Hickman, who host the Texans program on the network, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked on Falcons, and your boy Q, Locked on Raiders host. They will get together for a very special episode tomorrow. Eight African-American hosts here on the network. Discussion about racism and what needs to happen to facilitate change. I hope you all listen. Twitter Thursday, push to Friday. Get your questions into Matt and I, tag at BDPeacock at WilliamsonNFL on Twitter, and we'll talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.